The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. I want to ask you all to pray with me. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. This is your day, no matter what goes wrong with it. We are here because you are here. Open up our hearts and minds, Lord, that we may love your word, serve your word, and share your word with each other, with the church, and the world. We ask this through your son, Jesus Christ, and God's people say, amen. Are you ready to do ministry? That's the title of the sermon. Continuing with our encounters with Jesus, I just want to give you a background of what's happening with the disciples and where they're at. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to a high mountain, and there Jesus is transfigured into super white, white, bright light. They're afraid. They meet up with Elijah and Moses. Shortly after that, they come down the mountain, and they meet up with the other disciples, and they find the disciples arguing with the teachers of the law. And it turns out it's because there was a boy with an evil spirit. Jesus heals the boy. Beginning at Mark chapter 9, verse 30, Jesus shares this. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. Mark chapter 9, verses 33 and 34. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What are you arguing on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way they argued about who was the greatest. I want you to think as Jesus right now as Jesus, the patient teacher. From Caesarea Philippi to Capernaum is about 38 miles. That's a day's journey if you're on foot. Jesus waits. He hears that his disciples are arguing on the road. But he waits until they're all in a house, and he asks them again, what were you arguing about on the road? The amazing patience that Jesus has with his disciples, giving them an opportunity to open up their hearts and minds so that he can direct them to his Father's words and love. Now I want you to think of Jesus as Jesus, the listening teacher. Mark chapter 9, verse 34. But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. The text doesn't say what they were arguing about, but we can think if they were fishermen, carpenters, and tax collectors, their conversation could have been about, oh, you know, I make the fanciest woodwork, right? Or I kite the biggest fish, or I keep the numbers a lot better in the tax book. Who knows? But let's bring that thought back down to our day. One scenario. Can you imagine going into a job interview and the employer asks you questions about your resume. And you just stay quiet because you're thinking your resume is so impressive and so great that you don't say a word. 
Yeah, that's awkward, isn't it? You know what would happen? Hey, don't call us. We'll call you. Thank you for coming in. Bye-bye. Jesus doesn't treat his disciples that way. He wants to listen to them. He's very patient with them. If you permit me, I want to compare us with a bunch of cups. I think it's pretty safe, so that way after the service, you don't feel like jumping me if I do something wrong, huh? Indulge me for a moment. Let's say if you were this coffee cup. This coffee cup was bought in Arizona in the Grand Canyon. If you were this coffee cup, you would spend your time telling everybody where you've been, you've seen the Grand Canyon, you've done this, you've done that, this is there. That's, that's great. If you were this coffee cup, you may spend your, your time telling people, hey, look, I don't need your help. I can stir myself. I don't need you. I got it all taken care of. If you were this coffee cup, you probably wouldn't talk much. You'd probably hide, you know, and just come out whenever it's safe, you know, or do your thing. If you're this hot coffee cup, you like things that have price, most likely, and especially you would put half and half in your coffee. But you would spend your time looking for deals and either good deals or bad deals, perhaps. If you were this coffee cup, you probably wouldn't be so sociable. You'd probably be just pure evil. If you can see, this whole coffee cup is cracked completely. You can't use it. If you were this coffee cup, whoa, you could say, you know, I got everything in control, man. I keep my coffee warm all day or I keep my Kool-Aid cool all day long. You know, I do things right. Recognize this coffee cup? Yeah. If you were this coffee cup, what would you say to the people out there in here? Well, I'm flexible, see? I can fall and I don't break like the rest of you guys. I'm better. If you were this coffee cup, you can't do much either. You're just bent out of shape. And you just don't fit in society. You may not fit in even with your own family. Those are the things that Jesus is hearing coming out of his disciples. He hears that coming out of us. The pride of our lives. and the pride of the church. So often I think that a lot of times why it's difficult to do cross-coastal ministry, bilingual ministry, is because we're so prideful. We're not realizing what we're doing. We're not connecting with people because we're too busy thinking of our own greatness, our own capacities, what we can do But there's something greater happening here. Still, the disciples don't want to talk to Jesus. So what's keeping them from talking to Jesus? 
Well, the slight advantage the disciples have, they know them. They know Jesus personally. And they also know that as much as Jesus loves to comfort the afflicted, they also know that Jesus will afflict the comforted. Let's go to Mark chapter 8, verse 33, to see how Jesus afflicts the comforted. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Ouch. That's a big ouch. That would hurt. Let's take it even further. Let's see some passages that kind of describe why the disciples refused to talk to Jesus. Psalms Chapter 51, verse 5, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. We enter life this way, sinful, not knowing God, and eventually sinning full time. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. We gain intelligence as we grow over time. Good and evil, sharing and withholding truth and lies. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. We can deceive ourselves by being close to the truth but not really in the truth. So these are the deep reasons why the disciples, you and I, refuse to talk to Jesus on a regular basis while he is the patient teacher, the listening teacher. Let's summarize that. What's happening? Well, the disciples know that they're in ministry with Jesus, and they've seen him do miraculous things, turn super white, heal the boy with an evil spirit. And so you would think how they would attach themselves to all those mighty and wonderful great things and something starts to grow within them. They start to feel really important. So important that it breaks out in arguments about who is the most important. What's happening is this, that the disciples' version of being ready to do ministry is that they're doing ministry for Jesus, not with Jesus. That's the dividing line. One thing it is to do ministry for Jesus, and another is to do ministry with Jesus. That's why that kind of pride cannot be here amongst us, not in the church, not out in the world Why is it important then to be here on a Sunday and to hear the word of God? You know what Jesus is actually doing? Jesus is rescuing us before he's saving us. The disciples didn't want to talk, and they just cut themselves off because of their nature. God has called us to hear the word of God 
to live the Word of God on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, monthly basis, yearly basis for our nourishment, for our growth. I would like you to think of Jesus as the sitting down teacher. Mark chapter 9, verse 35. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. If I cover these cups for a little bit so that you don't see yourself up here anymore, it's very possible that we can serve Jesus in any condition that we're in because Jesus is with us. Jesus is patient with us. Jesus is the one who listens to us and knows us. And right now he's taking the load off and he's calling his disciples in private. What an amazing teacher, right? To guide their hearts and stir their hearts once more to his father's words and his father's love. Conditioning them with the right thinking. And what's that? To consider yourselves not great, not important, but be willing to serve the way he served. We need to take out of our lives the Mr. and Mrs. number one, me, myself, and I. Get rid of it because Jesus, love can build us up open up our hearts and our minds and our mouth to be little Jesus in the world. Jesus said that he came to serve and not to be served. I want you to think now as Jesus, as the lifting teacher. Mark chapter 9, verse 36. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Now, what an opposite situation happening here. Why does Jesus take the time to consider children? As we were reading, I mean, as we were singing in our song, all the poor and all the powerless. That kind of fits children, right? They're the poorest and the powerless of the world. In Jewish culture, if you're born a male, you're celebrated. Oh, yeah, you're, you're wanted. But before you, you're, you're, you're worth, before you grow into worth, you're not tolerated as much. And the disciples would often push away the children when they would come close when Jesus was around. And so here we have Jesus again centering where we need to be when it comes time to do ministry. Not for Jesus, but with Jesus. Considering those who are most rejected in the world. And I know, I'm a parent. It's not something you want to do all the time. You fight about who's going to change the diaper. It's your turn and blah, blah, blah. Children, let's just take the word out. Humans are difficult, aren't we? We're difficult. I want you to think as Jesus, the way to the Father teacher. When Jesus shares 
the importance of welcoming a little one, what he's getting at is that he wants us to see what our capacities are in relation to how we treat people. You may have read this or heard about it in the news. In New York, they passed this law where now you can abort a child at eight or nine months in pregnancy. So in our culture today, we have a lot to be concerned about. We have so much work to be involved in because our Lord is there. Our Lord is the one that is involved in caring for the defenseless. So he goes on to say, if you welcome the little ones, you welcome me. But he goes further. You're not just welcoming me. You're welcoming the one who sent me, my father. And you know what my father, he said, sent me to do? He sees you. He sees us. I come into the world. And I'm going to pour my life, my blood, and my body in all of you so that you will talk, so that you will confess your sins, so that you will be willing to have a relationship with Jesus, so that when he calls you out and afflicts you, it's not because he wants to just leave you there. He wants to take you back. See, that's why it was so important for Jesus to tell his disciples that he was going to be betrayed and handed over to men and on the third day rise again. Soon and much after that, that's what happened to the disciples when they turned into apostles. Each one was mistreated. Each one was forgotten. And each one had a terrible death. That's not going to be any different from us. We don't know our end we don't know how and when it's going to happen. But because Jesus is with us, that's part of carrying the cross. When we serve, that's part of being a servant. And who's it for? It's for the people that you're serving and for the God who called his son into the world to be in ours. Because God is still working He's not finished. The world is still lost in many ways. And there are people who do not know yet what we have in abundance. The body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was given so that the forgiveness of our sins rests upon us as the assurance that when we leave here today and we begin our work week, we can face the challenges that we have with honor, respect, with love and joy and tears, with Christ. And God's people say, Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.